What's going on, fellas? I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT, and we're back for another edition of the MMM, MMA DFS show here on Sal Vetri's channel. Shout out to Sal Vetri once again for bringing your boy through. Uh, always fun doing this. The fellas are always very supportive, and... The past couple episodes, we haven't been doing too bad in terms of calling sleepers and dogs. Unfortunately, the lock of the night play whiffs on uh, Curtis Blades was looking great up until the point that uh, Derek Lewis unloaded that nuclear bomb. But I would make that play over and over again, considering that Blades has him covered pretty much everywhere except that one shot. And, uh, you know, very narrow path to victory for Derek there. And he was able to pull it off. But Hats off to Derek Lewis. He's making a name off of himself strictly by calling himself the KO King, which I believe he also has tattooed on his chest somewhere. But uh, yeah, good one for Derek Lewis there. But we're back at it. You know what I mean? We're in the thick of this UFC schedule. We got pretty much, I think this is the third or fourth event in an eight straight straight weekend stretch. Uh, So I'm very happy to uh, continuously drop these videos on a week-to-week basis. So before we get into everything, let me just plug myself real quick again. You guys can find me at MMALOTN on Twitter on the Instagrams as well too. And then obviously my own YouTube channel, which is MMALOTN. You can find all the links in the description below. I also want to plug my Patreon as well too, which is more betting focused and not DFS focused. But if you're into that betting style or that betting side of things uh, for MMA, uh, just check out my Patreon, obviously MMALOTN or Lock of the Night, I believe. You can find, again, the link is in the uh, description below. Uh, Get access to all my picks, uh, early access to the breakdowns, um, uh, a best bets and props article as well too where I go over every single fight and give you the best bet and the best prop in each one uh, a great discord channel as well too where we have a very lively community very helpful community as well and then last we have over 220 members so uh, actually 230 at this point in time so very very lively community and for five bucks it's uh, definitely a great value for your money uh, given the amount of expertise and time that I put into these things and it's definitely showcasing. So shout out to everybody that's already on the Patreon. And shout out to any new members that want to hop on as well too. Also, we do have a new uh, sponsor for this show. So shout out to Superdraft. Uh, it's it's fantasy sports, but not with salaries. It's more so every fighter has a, a different multiplier rather than salaries. So you can pick all the favorites if you want, but they'll have lower multipliers. So if you go a little bit, uh, you know, dog hunting, you'll get higher multipliers on those fighters and then you place uh, according to how much they score. So very solid uh, format that they have there. So two things that I want to say about this. They, um, again, it's a multiplier, not truly... uh, Uh, salary base or anything like that and two it's not the most popular thing out there currently which means that there's definitely more money to be made so most of their games do not fill up you're talking about like if they have a hundred uh pool game or a hundred player pool uh, they usually only fill up like 70 percent, meaning that they have to make up the 30 percent themselves which are all zero scores and then you have a better chance of winning the top prize because you're going up against less people so very solid uh work there and i love the format that they have as well too again multiplier not salaries wise so if you use the code sal uh, S-A-L, they'll uh, match your initial bonus up to $500 and they do it in a f- slow drip format. So it's just like uh, if you play a, a $10 contest, they'll slowly give you your, your bonus back uh, and then eventually match it all the way up into your initial uh, bonus amount that you, you, you put in. So again, Super Draft, 
uh, promo code SAL. The link is in the description below. Uh, very solid sponsor. I can't wait to get into it myself this weekend. And uh, hopefully we can cash as well too. Shout out to a couple of Sal's guys on the NBA side of things who have been cashing uh, the top prizes over the last little while because again, th- these contests don't really fill out as it's not as popular as a DraftKings or a FanDuel or anything like that. SuperDraft is, is a solid, solid spot and I can't wait to take advantage of it this coming weekend and all the coming weekends uh, ahead of us. All right, uh, just a reminder. So uh, we, we've been doing a new format over the last two episodes, right? The last uh, episode we did um, just focusing on my fate of the night, lock of the night, dog of the night, uh, and sleeper of the night. And one thing I forgot to do last episode that I'm going to do moving forward now is just giving you guys quick picks so you guys can at least know who I'm picking in every single matchup. Now, if you want in-depth breakdowns on every single fight on the card, you guys can check out my podcast as well too. Again, the YouTube link is in the description below. Uh, Usually I have my podcasts out every Monday of fight week, so well in advance of whenever this podcast comes out. Uh, So make sure you guys go check that out if you want more information regarding the other plays so uh, I'll give you guys my quick picks right now uh, just running through the card again not too much information on them other than if you want to check out my podcast itself and get the in-depth breakdown so uh, starting from the bottom I got Dustin Jacoby beating Maxime Grishin I got Ronnie Lawrence beating Vince Cachero. I got William Knight going to a decision against Alonzo Menafield. I got Alexis Davis as a nice little sneaky dog there, uh, pulling off the decision victory over Sabina Mazo. I got Alex Oliveira via decision over Ramazan Kuramagomedov. Um, Alex Hernandez either by decision or finish uh, against Thiago Moises. Uh, Kevin Kroom via decision against Alex Caceres, do I, though I do believe he is live for a submission as well. I got Angela Hill uh, beating Ashley Yoder, but I think that line is just way too wide. Uh, I got Jimmy Rivera going to a decision against uh, Pedro Munoz and winning that fight. Montana De La Rosa via decision in her fight as well over Myra Bueno Silva. I got Magomed Ankalaev knocking out Nikita Krylov in either round two or round three. And then lastly, I got Cyril Ghan uh, winning his fight either by decision or submission, probably round three or round four. So there's a quick picks for the card right there. I'll dive in a little bit deeper on some of these uh, on these matchups. But last last reminder, if you want in-depth breakdowns, check out my podcast. The link for my YouTube channel is in the description below. And that's where you guys will be able to find the full podcast and more in-depth breakdowns on the major- or the entire card, I should say. All right, let's get into it. So first and foremost, my lock of the night play. This is the play that I'm most confident in or or the fighter that I'm most confident in and think that they're at least very much worth the price tag that they're at. And right off the bat, it's Magomed Ankalaev. I truly believe that this guy is worth that uh, 9,300 price tag. And I truly believe that he's going to be one of the higher uh, scoring guys on here. And I also believe that he's going to have... Uh, title aspirations as well in his future. I think that by the end of 2022, he's either going to have fought for a title or have won the title at that point in time in the light heavyweight division. Uh, in terms of Nikita Kolov, we're getting 6,900 on the on the buyback, uh, but I think that um, it's going to be a little bit tough for him to go out there and pull this victory uh, over a guy in um, Magomed Ankalaev, who in my opinion pretty much hasn't beat everywhere in this fight. You know what I mean? So with Magomed Ankalaev, we're going with uh, a guy, you know, undefeated in the UFC, only has one loss in his career, and that was his UFC debut against Paul Craig, where he was 
just slipped up in the last second of the fight and uh, gets caught in a triangle choke in a fight that he was completely dominating and then uh, you know taps out with one second left very very unfortunate as he would be 15 and 0 at this point in time if he was able to you know if he was aware of how much time was truly left on the clock I highly doubt he would have submitted or at least tapped out with one second left to go I'm sure he probably would have gone out instead uh, but what we see from him is a solid all-around game. I truly believe that he's one of the best Russian MMA strikers in this uh, UFC uh, promotion, outside of probably Pyotr Jan, who's very disciplined himself, who's fighting next weekend against Aljamain Sterling, and the other guy being Zabit Magomed Sharapov, who just doesn't fight that often, but is very crafty with his striking game and very good with his distance management. Whereas Magomed Ankalaev is very, he's not as flashy as those guys, but he's very technical and he's very cerebral with his approach as well too, right? One thing that we we see often in his fights is that he tries to confuse his opponent by always fighting in the opposite stance. And what I mean by that is when you see uh, his fight against Clinton Abreu, who's a southpaw, he matches him with a with an orthodox position, or sorry, um, he comes with an opposite stance, which is the orthodox position. And then when he fights guys like Dolce Lungiambula and the Iwan Kutilabas, he's coming into that fight southpaw because his opponents are coming into that fight orthodox. And he fights just as comfortably out of both stances, and it's just in- insane to see it. You know what I mean? He's throwing the same combinations with the opposite hands. He's throwing the same kicks up the middle. He's throwing everything, moving the same way too. It's insane how crafted and and how well versed he is in the striking realm uh, again from both position positions as i believe that truly causes his opponents a lot of difficulty in terms of figuring out how to close a range how to really combat somebody that's coming at them from a from an opposite stance now uh, he has a great wrestling game to go with it as well too I think he uh, you know in terms of takedowns he's only been taken down twice both by Paul Craig and he was able to get right back to his feet within seconds of getting taken down no other opponent has truly tested him in that realm I think Nikita Krylov considering how he's been looking in his last two fights may engage in the grappling realm here but I don't think he will be as successful as he was against uh, you know Glover Teixeira even though he ended up losing that fight and how successful he was against uh, Johnny Walker who just does not have a grappling game at all so um I think he's gonna he's gonna try to test Uncle Ive in that in that realm, but I think he's gonna come up on the losing end and the short end of the stick there. Now Krilov, he's had 34 professional MMA fights. Only two of them have ever gone to a decision. And those two were his last two fights, and that's those were two fights that he could truly get away with doing those things. You know, the Glover Teixeira fight, uh, you know, Glover loves to grab, grapple and, and scramble with these guys, even though he's a little bit older than most of them. Uh, and he made a very, very competitive against uh, Krilov. I believe that was a split decision victory for Glover that night. And then again, Johnny Walker, who just doesn't really have much of a grappling game. And we saw Nikita go out there and uh, accumulate, I believe, over over 11 minutes of control time and score 105 points in that fight. Magomed is going to make him work a lot harder. He's going to have more uh, distance to cover here against a guy like uh, Ankalaev, who holds his distance very well. And then obviously, you know, very good counter-striking game as well, too. Whereas Nikita Krylov could sometimes be quite reckless on the feet, and that could cost him in this fight against Ankalaev, who's just going to be waiting to uh, kind of nuke him and, and waiting to drop these combinations on him. I believe Ankalaev has between a 63 and a 68% striking defense rate, and I think that's very, very critical for him, given that he's very patient and he just waits for the opportunities to explode, and when he does, his opponents normally pay pretty dearly for that. 
Now, some people might look at it as that, okay, he doesn't have the greatest amount of volume, which is where like Krilov could potentially out-volume him and outland him. Uh, but I think given how cerebral he is and how efficient he is, it doesn't really matter much because when he does throw, he lands with such efficiency and such damage that I think that the judges don't mind him being slightly out-volume for the amount of damage that he's throwing in return. Now let's just look at his last fight, five fights that he's he's scored. Right, one hundred and four point nine against Marcin Pracknell, where he knocked him out in the second or the first round. The seventy four point six points against Klitsch Abreu, which went to a decision, very kind of lowish volume fight there, but still pretty much controlled him throughout that fight uh, in the striking and grappling realms. The Dolce Lungiambula fight knocks him out in the third round and scores ninety seven points. Iwan Kutilaba two times. Scored 118 both times as he was able to dispatch of him in the first round in both of their fights. Uh, Krilov, on the other hand, you know, when he's winning, obviously 96.7 points where he chokes out uh, Ovin St. Pru in the second round. And then the Johnny Walker fight, which he wins by decision um, and, and scores 105 points just due to control time and, and the, the total strikes he was able to land up there. Um Again, I favor on Kalev. I think he's very live to knock out Krilov here. I think that two-fight decision streak of Krilov is going to come to an end here with uh, Kalev absolutely putting his lights out. Uh, I expect Krilov, you know, maybe to attack the grappling nice and early in this fight. But once he starts to become you know, a little bit tired and a little bit exhausted from having to, to grapple and, and not being successful with it, the, the knockout really opens itself up for Ankalaev as I believe that Krilov may start to overextend on some of his punches, overextend on some desperation takedowns, and it's really going to leave him open to get knocked out here by Ankalaev. So I think either second or third round knockout for Ankalaev, but I truly think that he scores above 100 points in this fight. I think he, you know, this is the, 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 you know, again, I think Ankalaev is super championship worthy, which is why he should absolutely go out there uh, and win this fight and really put it on, um, and really put it on uh, Nikita Krilov here and win this fight. All right, next up, we got my dog of the night play, uh, which I have Kevin Kroom, 7,400 against uh, one Alex Caceres. This is a fight where I think the line is just completely off. Even the betting line, right? We got minus 210 on Caceres, plus 175 on Kroom. And I think people are just overlooking Kroom because he just had that quick knockout victory or submission victory over uh, Roosevelt Roberts, which was quickly overturned to a no contest considering that Kroom tested positive for marijuana after that fight. But he still scored 127 points in that fight as he uh, got the victory within 30 seconds, got that quick one-minute bonus. Um, so it's a good one for him there. But he's a great all-around fighter, right? He's coming into the UFC with over 32 fights of experience now this is his second walk to the octagon against Alex Caceres who has 29 uh, fights of his own so Kroom has slightly more pro experience but obviously Caceres has the higher level of competition that he's been going up against but I think that Kroom has the perfect style to go out there and kind of stifle the game plan of Caceres right Caceres is one of those guys that needs the space and needs the room to really get his kicks going to get his strikes going and really put on a performance against his opponents whereas Kroom is just going to continuously move forward uh, you know, throw the volume, keep Caceres uncomfortable, keep him pushing back, keep him moving back, and um, Kroom should be able to like outpace him and outwork him and, and really pressure him throughout the fight and really uh, push him, which should uh, eventually give him that decision victory. Now, Kroom is you know very well coached as well too. Trains out of Glory MMA uh, and Fitness, I believe, down there in Missouri um, or Kansas City, one of those uh, close enough, right? Uh, but with James Cross as his head coach, right? James Cross does a lot of good work with the fighters that he has in his camp and Kevin Kroom is no exception the guy goes out there and gives his gives it all uh pretty much every single time and he's gone up against some decent competition of his own right on the regional scene uh it's not like he's just fighting complete 
scrubs. There are guys on his record that have solid uh, wins and have solid credibility. Some guys in Bellator, some guys in the UFC. Uh, but Kevin Kroom, you know, high level guy. Um, at least, at least in this type of fight, he should be able to show off his skills to the best of his abilities. So, again, there's not much DraftKings data to go off of him because this is only his second fight in the UFC. But given his style, his forward movement, his ability to make fighters uncomfortable, uh, I think he should be, uh, you know, this fight should be closer to a to a pick'em than uh, the current line that it's at. And the fact that we're getting Kroom at 7,400, you could do much worse for an underdog here. So I do like uh, Kevin Kroom to win this fight. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull off a submission victory, but I'm going to go with the decision. But given the all-around game that we get from him from takedowns to control time to clinch work to to the striking and the pressure and the output i lean the kevin kroom side here so i'm going with kroom as my dog of the night play i do have a bet on him as well at plus 175 but even in DraftKings, i'm probably going to have a good chunk of some kevin kroom here as i do think he springs the upset against alex caceres Next, uh, before I do get into the uh, to the fate of the night, I do want to let you guys know that Sal is actually dropping an MMA optimizer on his Patreon channel. So if you guys want to check that out, his Patreon link will be in the description below. But I'll definitely be th- taking that thing for a ride this weekend. Uh, and I definitely uh, believe that you should be doing so as well. So uh, check out Sal's Patreon for the MMA optimizer as I truly believe that it's uh, it will be a very worthwhile tool. Not to mention all the projections and stuff that he has on there for the MMA world and a lot of people have been doing pretty well a lot of people have been hitting me up as of late and being like you and Sal are definitely helping me get in the green getting in the cash uh, and now this optimizer should help out way more too so uh, make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that all right fate of the night I got Angela Hill at 9,200. The first time Angela Hill and Ashley Yoder went up against each other, Hill did uh, squeak, well, not squeak out, but win uh, a decision victory there. And she scored 62 and a half points that time. Now, Angela Hill, 9,200, that's that's a little, you know, that's a little crazy, but obviously it's got to match the odds, right? You got the odds currently around minus 325, minus 350, some places even minus 400 for Angela Hill. And then in terms of the salary for uh, Ashley Yoder, you got 7,000. The second cheapest on the slate. I, I'm picking Hill to win this fight, but the line is just too wide and I don't think it's justified, right? Angela Hill always fights super close to her opponent's level, no matter who it is. She's just fighting super close and it makes uh, you know most of her fights nail biters because once the judges' scorecards come around, you're just like, ooh, did they give it to her? Did they not? Like... She's usually the one out-voluming her, out-voluming her opponent, but she's not the one really throwing the damage. And her opponents, whenever they're just kind of standing and waiting for her to come in, they counter pretty well. And it looks like they're kind of landing the more damaging blows. But here in the Ashley Yoder fight, we're, we know what we're going to get from Ashley Yoder. We're going to get somebody that wants to close the distance, clinch up against her, uh, drag this fight to the ground, maybe get some control time on the ground. And just from simply knowing that, I think that there's some solid value on Yoder. I mean, her last fight, she goes up against Miranda Granger and scores 90.4 points, accruing almost eight minutes of control time, especially in that third round where she got a 10-8 and was able to uh, control that fight very, very easily. Um, The difference now between the last time they fought, which was four years ago, is that Ashley Yoder is now a black belt compared to when she was a purple belt the first time they fought. So both women are making improvements. Both women will always look better next time out. Uh, Angela Hill is slightly older now at 36. We got Yoder coming in at the 33-year-old mark. Um, and yeah, uh, even the, the size advantage, right? We got four-inch height advantage for Yoder here, and we got a, a five-inch reach advantage for Yoder as well. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I like Hill to win this fight, but even when she wins, she's scoring on the lower end, right? She's scoring 64 points against Loma Lukbunmi. Um, when she's getting finishes like Cyphers and Carnalosi, you see her score in the 80s or the 100s, but I don't think she's going to finish a girl like Ashley Yoder. Yoder's going to make this a close grinding fight, and I don't expect Angela Hill, even if she wins, to score more than 75 points, maybe 80 points is probably going to be her her best, best shot here. Um... Yeah, I like Yoder uh, as a possible dog spot as well too. Personally, I do. I did make a bet on her at plus three hundred, as I do think that there's some solid value there given the approach she has in her fights, which is you know um, pursue the clinch, try to get the fight to the ground, and, and try to do some good work with her jujitsu. So I I don't mind Yoder, and I wouldn't even mind if anybody tried stabbing the Yoder via submission line because that the, that is live too. The last time we saw Angela Hill lose uh, via submission was Randa Marcos, uh, but I do think. That Yoder could threaten her in that fashion as well too. Now Hill has shown in her past couple fights that when she does get taken down, she does a decent job of getting back to her feet. But just knowing the fact that Yoder will be pursuing that time and time again gives me enough confidence in taking the shot at her at plus 305. Which is why it might not be a bad idea to sprinkle a little bit of Yoder in your lineups as well too. Because she is live to spring the upset here. But in terms of a fade, I'm, I'm definitely on the fade Angela Hill train here from a DraftKings perspective. As I don't think she will score that much because I don't think that she'll be able to finish Yoder here. Which is where she should, well, which is where she normally gets the majority of her points uh, when she is finishing opponents like Ar- Ariane Carnalosi and Hannah Cyphers. So I'm expecting this to go 15 15 minutes unless Yoder pulls off the sub um and either way I expect Angela Hill to score not to the to the extent and not worthy enough for a 9200 so yeah she's a big favorite will more than likely win this five year decision but don't expect too many points for her which is why she's the fate of the night for me uh for this weekend all right next up sleeper play of the night we got another women's MMA matchup. We got Alexis Davis here at plus 175, 7,300 on the salary. And then Sabina Mazel minus 210, 8,900 on the salary. I like me some Alexis Davis here. And it's kind of similar to the Ashley Yoder train of thought, which is knowing that these fighters are going to move forward. Alexis Davis even more, I believe, who will move forward uh, almost zombie-esque, but her striking is slowly starting to look better on a fight-to-fight basis. But she can still go out there, push the pressure against a girl like Sabina Mazo. And, uh, you know, clinch her up against the cage, maybe get a couple takedowns and ride some top control, as I believe that's a very solid path to victory for her here. Um, Sabina Mazo doesn't really show that she's the most comfortable fighting off of her back foot, right? And the Justine Kish fight, she was a couple minutes away from losing that fight via decision. If you guys look at the, uh, the judges' scorecards, two of them gave uh, Justine Kish the first two rounds. And if that fight had gone to a uh, judges' scorecard, she would have won that fight. Luckily for Sabina Mazo, her head kick bills are out against Kish. Kish drops, and then we follow up with Sabina Mazo getting that rear naked choke. A very unfortunate situation for Kish, who was just moments away from getting her hand raised via decision in that fight. Um, you know, Sabina Mazo will obviously have the striking advantage here. She'll probably have the output advantage too, but that doesn't always translate into her winning rounds or winning uh, winning fights, right? Um, again, like the Justine Kish fight, for example, she's on her back foot for the majority of that fight. She's outstriking Justine Kish based on numbers, but the judges still scored those first two rounds for Justine Kish because of how the fight looks. And that's how I believe Alexis Davis will fight, right? She might get outlanded, but she's going to be the one pressuring. She's going to be the one moving forward, and she's going to be the one possibly landing takedowns here too. Um, even in her losses, her last three losses, she's on a three-fight losing streak, but she slightly outstruck all three women. And even in her last two fights, she's still scoring over 50 points, which is crazy, even in a loss. 
um, when she's winning. You know what I mean? Her last two wins, 81 points against Liz Carmouche, 73 points against Cindy Dandwa. But I expect here, if she's uh, successful in the, the clinch positions, I expect her to be the stronger woman, right? This fight's happening up at 135 pounds. I believe the first time Sabina Mouse is actually up at uh, 135 pounds. And I, I think that's going to be a little bit of a, an adjustment period for her against a girl like Alexis Davis, who's been fighting at 135 pounds for a very long time at this point, right? So I do like me some uh, Davis here. I think she's going to be a sleeper as well, too, because people like fading some of these uh, women that have been in the cage for, you know, not as long, uh, or sorry, who've been in the UFC for a while and seem like they're on the tail end of their career, especially at 36 years old. People might be fading Alexis Davis here, but I'm on that train of uh, Benny against Sabina Mazzo, who has shown that she doesn't necessarily crack under pressure, but she uh, struggles against pressure. And that's Alexis's Davis, Alexis Davis's middle name, is pressure. She's going to keep moving forward, and she's going to try to take Sabina down time and time again. And uh, the fact that we can trust her to do so leads me to believe that she's a worthy play at 7,300, at least on a couple of your lineups. Like, she might reach optimum, not 100%, sure about that but uh, i think uh, she will be a sleeper play i think she's going to be one of the lesser owned fighters uh, in the in the field as well so i do like me some alexis davis here and i think she's going to be able to pull this fight off via a decision uh all right let's move on to the next couple of segments we got the stackable main event or not i don't think that it'll be super stackable actually you know what no i lied i could see this fight go into a decision with uh rosen strike landing enough um to to you know possibly help you cash uh on a head-to-head or 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 a cash game um i did you know gone will probably stay on the outside land his shots uh move in and out but we should get some decent volume from uh, rosenstrike as well too that you know if they do go end up five rounds the extra 10 minutes should help you uh in your cash games and your jeep uh, and your uh and your double ups as i believe that we should get some decent volume enough from him at least enough from you know a, a losing standpoint compared to the rest of the card so yeah i, I do think that uh, the, the the main event is stackable if this goes to a decision right if gone goes out there and and pursues the takedowns as i think he could uh this fight might be finished even earlier than that and rosa strike might end up with like less than 15 or 20 points so tread lightly is all i'm going to say i think there's a high path to victory in terms of gone finishing this fight but if he wants to play it super safe he's going to stay on the outside and just pitter patter uh, and we could get a decent score from either guy here just a reminder uh you, you'll get great projections and obviously the mma optimizer from sal's uh patreon so make sure you guys check that out in the description below as i think that will definitely help you guys make decisions on this weekend's card all right, my favorite plays in each range, 6,000, there's only one guy, Nikita Krilov. And again, if he wins, it's more than likely going to come via uh, via finish. So we'll probably get a good number on him uh, if if he does get that finish uh, and he could break a couple of slates here. But my lock of the night play is Uncle Ive. I, I truly see him winning this fight and winning this fight via, via finish. So if there was somebody else in the 6,000 range, maybe I'd choose them. Uh, but yeah, Krilov is the only guy there. Uh, in terms of 7,000, I like Kevin Kroom at 7,400. He's my dog of the night play. I think he's going to score a good chunk of points, especially at that at that number. I think he'll give us a solid amount of points uh, with the pressure, with the pace, maybe a couple of takedowns, uh, and a possible finish as well too. So I do like Kevin Kroom in the $7,000 range. In the 8K range, 
I like Jimmy Rivera. He's at 8,300. I think he's going to be able to score a good amount of points to live up to that 8,300. And I think there's a very low path to victory for Pedro Munoz in this fight. You know I mean, I, I think it's almost knockout or bust for him as I believe that Rivera will have the better striking exchanges, will be able to kind of just play with uh, Pedro Munoz. Um, the, the striking differential may not be super off here, but I think that Rivera will be very much more effective with the striking, with controlling the range. Uh, maybe land a couple takedowns, but I'd be surprised kind of to see him go that route. But I think that he uh, he absolutely outstrikes Munoz here. He's He may not be the most highest scoring guy at 8,000, but he's the one guy that I trust the most in that $8,000 range because stylistically, this is a great fight for him to go out there and outstrike a... A kind of rudimentary Pedro Munoz. You know what I mean? For some reason, people are making Munoz out to be the the Francis Ngannou of 135 pounds thinking that he's going to go knock everybody out. But Jimmy Rivera's only lost officially once by knockout and that was by, that was by Marlon Moraes. And I think that's more of an anomaly than anything. So uh, I think Rivera's chin will hold up here and I think he'll be able to outstrike uh, Pedro Munoz en route to a decision victory. But definitely one of my, my more confident plays in the 8,000 range. And then 9,000. I got Anka live. I think he gets the finish. I think, uh, you know, uh, Krilov will leave a lot of openings for him to take advantage of. And I've already broken this down earlier in the episode. But yeah, I do like Anka live in that 9,300 range. All right. That's pretty much a wrap on the episode. Once again, shout out to Super Draft for sponsoring the show. Use code SAL and they'll 100% match your initial bonus up to 500 bucks in a slow drip format. So make sure you guys go check them out. I am i can't wait to get into Super Draft this weekend. So go uh, check that out. Maybe you'll go up against me. Who knows? But it should be a fun time regardless. Uh, as for me, you guys can follow me at MMALOTN on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And then obviously my Patreon. Uh, the link will be in the description below. Five bucks a month, the best value probably not probably definitely on the patreon scene from a betting perspective i got you guys covered there a ton of perks so shout out to anybody that wants to support your boy in that fashion and then lastly make sure you guys check out salvatri's uh, patreon as well too that mma optimizer is going live uh and i can't wait to take full advantage of it and you should too because it will definitely help you build out your lineups and also very good for you know if you're a mass lineup kind of guy or even if you build 15 to 20 lineups, it at least gives you uh, different looks in how uh, certain lineups will look. You know what I mean? You don't have to have hundreds of lineups to use an optimizer. It's more so good to just see, okay, what kind of combinations can I put together that other people might not think about or might not know about? And that's what an optimizer is great for. And I can't wait to take this thing for a whirl uh, on Salvetri's channel or Salvetri's uh, Patreon. So make sure you guys check that out. All right. I'm Dunzo for the day. I'll see you guys next week. You guys can, again, check out my podcast for full in-depth breakdown of the card coming up. Uh, and next week, we got a big one, UFC 259, three championship fights. I cannot wait to break that down for you guys. And we will also return the pre-lock show. So uh, on fight day of UFC 259 next weekend, uh, we'll be doing a stream an hour before the fights. Make sure you guys join us. The first one was a blast. I had my guy Brett Apley on this week. Uh, that weekend, I have a different guest that I can't wait to get on as well too. A very crucial person in terms of my DFS journey. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait for it. All right, good luck this weekend. And I hope to make you guys some cash. I'll see you guys next week.